I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who love the smell of shellac in the morning. Mark, Shannon, and Mad. All right, welcome to Wood Talk. It's show number 484 for September 16th, 2020. And on today's show, we're talking about what you do after you have your design. After. After. But before we get to that, we want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Head over to rockler.com and check out their Upgrade Your Shop sale, which includes shop upgrades ranging from jigs to clamps to power tools. The sale runs from August 28th to October 1st, so don't miss it. And if you want to help support the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash woodtalk and signing up to become a patron of the show. Mm. This week, we'd like to thank Corey Skogans, James Harris, Ed Lilla, and Luke Askland. Yeah. Thanks so much, guys. You're lovely. They gave you an easy time this week, Matt. I don't know. Askland. I mean, that's maybe that's complicated. I don't know. No, nah, I don't no, know. That's really I think not. you'd have to complicate that yourself. It's pretty simple. <sighs> Fine. Pretty easy. Fine. <laughs> so, okay. Let me ask you guys a question. How many designs, how many like sketches have you put down on paper that you have never built? <gasps> One, two. I don't say none because I'm not going to take the time to sketch it. I'm not going to build it. All right. Fine. (laughs) I think there's like really creative people out there who always have these crazy ideas. I think of a David Marks kind of person who has probably more ideas than he has years on this earth to execute them. And I'm not one of those people. Yeah. I'm not one of those people that carries around a little sketchbook. That's, that's like who I'm thinking of, the people that have a sketchbook. and writing down ideas. Wait, you got a sketchbook me. on the nightstand because you wake up at 3 a.m. with this crazy idea <laughs> and you got to write it down? That's not me at all. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I have those, but they usually have very little to do with woodworking. It's like, ooh, I'm going to make this for lunch tomorrow. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Actually, I, I, imagine, I, I imagine you, Shannon, you wake up at 3 a.m., you sketch something out and you're just crazy. You go back to sleep. You wake up in the morning and you drew a wiener. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's what I'm picturing. Yeah. <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing Freudian there at all. <laughs> anyway, uh, my, my point being, I know a lot of people that have designs or have a project they want to build and they've gone so far as to draw it, but they've never built it. And yeah. that's what we're talking about here. It's that step after, you know, here's the credenza I'm going to build. And then it never happens. And I think it's because there's there are some steps that people need to consider in between the design and actually putting blade to wood, mm -hmm. um, whether that's coming up with a parts list, actually getting the lumber or figuring out how you're going to build this thing. Right. You know, in, in our last episode, we talked about using SketchUp and how none of us really put the joinery in. Well, at some point, you got to figure that out. Right. How are you going to stick? you know, part A into part B. Is that a mortise and tenon? Is it a dovetail, et cetera? So that's what we're talking about here. So what what's kind of your first step? You've got your cocktail napkin, your fancy SketchUp model drawing. You know what you're going to do. What do you do with that? Mark, go. <sighs> well, I get a cup of coffee and I uh, start thinking. Um, I think it's usually coming down to either it may just be a mental list. Sometimes I do have to write it down, but it, it comes down to that list making and the list being the order, like what's going to come first. So if it's a table, I decide, am I going to do the top first or am I going to start working on the base? If I'm working on the base, what comes first? Probably the legs, right? And then I could, once the legs are done, then I can move on to the aprons and then finally the top. So I think no matter how big the project is, I, I try to figure out what part am I physically going to be working on first and then I, you know, once I can subdivide that, now I've got like a chunk of this process that I could break down even further into. And a lot of times, once you get experience, you don't need to like, okay, first step, joint one edge. You know, you don't have to, <laughs> yeah. you don't have to get that granular, but you, you could break it down enough that you, you can kind of push to the back burner some of those other things to worry about later and just focus on, on a couple of those beginning steps in the process. So for me, it's kind of that list making. Mm -hmm. Sure. Matt, you are, you're a different fellow. I'm very different, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's um, one way to say it. But, but I'm thinking in terms of, of lumber. Um, I know, actually, I think you gave a class at Woodwork in America on this about designing using the wood in mind. And mm -hmm. I think you tend to, you're like that artsy sculptor guy who looks at a block of wood and <laughs> sees the little bunny rabbit he's going to carve within. <laughs> you know, you kind of start with a wood. So does anything change from your perspective? Uh, yeah, I mean, but the first step, like if once you have a plan is like, okay, what tree am I going to make it out of? Or like what stack of <laughs> what boards? tree am I going to make it out of? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, wait, all of the trees are named. Nakashima over here. Yeah, little baby Nakashima. Oh, he's so <laughs> what cute. <laughs> what, what, what tree? What uh, tree am I going to get this material? What uh, planet do you live on, man? Uh, there's, there's always like Japanese flute music in Matt's head all the time. Yeah. You know, and, and Mr. Miyagi is talking to him in one ear the whole time. First, oh, first man. fine tree. What a, what a treat that must be to be like, hmm, which tree do I want to chop down today for this? And anyone can live this life. Man, look at you go. Look at uh, you. Oh, okay. That That's I'm honest. That's where it kind of, it starts with that. I'm like, okay, well, what? What thing will actually work? Like, is there enough material here to make that thing out of this tree? Or is this kind of off the table because it's not big enough? I don't have enough material. I don't have enough thick material or, or whatever. Um, and I guess the, so the first step is like, what species am I going to make out of? 
And then that kind of limits me to like, okay, here's this bull that I have in this species now, or these set of bulls. Like, which one do I want to make out of? If it's going to be something that's going to need some crazier figure, like for a panel or something, that might lead me towards something else versus more like a straight green bull or something. Um, and then I can kind of go from there. Because well, a lot of my stuff too, like if I'm making it out of a slab, for instance, it's going to be resawn a bunch. So I'm looking for material that's going to fit for all the parts that are going to come out of this bigger block of wood. So there's a little bit more, I guess, lumber planning involved versus most people that just go to a lumber yard and say, I can eat, I need uh, some four quarter, I need some eight quarter, and like one piece of six quarter. Uh, I'm grabbing and a, a large of, fry and a large fry and a Diet Coke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm grabbing a few 10 quarter slabs, and that's like, the starting point and then i don't know how far into this process we're going to go but then i'll start laying parts out three-dimensionally essentially in the mm -hmm. board after sure. that well, the, well and i think the layman version of what you're talking about i think what most people probably do is we don't necessarily have a bunch of trees sitting around but we may have some stocks like stock sitting against the wall mm -hmm. in the shop yeah and we can go okay what do i have what can i use from what i have do you know can i change things to use up more of this stuff and then how much do i need to then go out and buy to fill in the gaps so yeah i, well, I, take, it, I take it so differently because i'm like spoiled now where i'm like i can't go like i can't mix trees now I'm it all like, has to come from no, the same no. tree yeah, oh, yeah i'm spoiled i'm too spoiled now it's like there's no yeah there's no green you're a, jer you're a I jerk but i, I kind of love I'm i love aware, it i'm a well aware of the the position i've put myself in but <laughs> I, i've put myself here all right no one put me here but myself but i'm very i'm very jealous though because I, I i there is something just the um there's something uh intangible i mean even if it is wood grain that matches up because it's all from the same tree that's great but it's almost an intangible, you know, idea that this whole piece of furniture is all from one particular mm -hmm. tree or one part of a tree. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't quite go that far, but I do obviously have the luxury of working in a lumber yard. So I try to get, you know, one board, like the important stuff I wanted to come out of one board, you know? So if I have to do it to um, glue up a tabletop, I want to try to get it all out of one board as much as possible. Um, mm -hmm. That that's the, that's the uh, the the layman's version. When, when you can't when you can't choose a tree to start with, you know, you try to focus on one board. But I think the key thing there is you do have to come up with some kind of parts list, right? You do have to take your design, and if it's truly an abstract design, at some point you have to start applying dimensions to that design. Mm -hmm. And maybe you've done that. Maybe you have a SketchUp model or whatever. But now you need to do a takeoff. You need to look at that model and say, okay, each leg is two inches by two inches by 36 long, you know, and even if you're rounding up, which personally I do, I usually round up at least an inch, um, on length, um, and kind of get into two ish inches, um, for the, for the leg, but you have to, you have to have that list right in, in your head to, to start with. Then you can begin talking about joinery and maybe even, tooling. I mean, I think all three of us are in a situation now where we're not really in a tool acquisition mindset. We kind of have our shops set, but for a lot of folks out there, you know, a new project can be an excuse to buy that tool, you know? Yeah. Okay. I, oh, yeah. you know, I'm going to do a bunch of mortises. I'm building an arts and crafts piece. Now is going to be the time when I buy that hollow chisel mortiser. So that can be a part of it. And maybe it's, maybe it's justification. I really want that domino. So I'm going to build this project using dominoes, yeah. however it works, you know, but I do think that that's a, a major step, even though, you know, I have the tools that I need, I do think kind of long and hard about 
how am I going to actually execute that particular element or that particular joint? Because there's oftentimes many ways to do it, right? I mean, hand tool world, power tool world, whatever, there's seven different ways to cut a mortise and tenon joint, or there could be a bunch of different ways that I'll shape the curve on that, on that uh, leg or something like that. So you, you have to think that through. Um, I almost, this may be because I'm usually creating content around it, but I kind of almost walk through the process like in my head or whatever to figure out where am I going to screw up basically? <laughs> like, you know, if, you know, cause I may think immediately, all right, to use Mark's example, I'm going to start with the legs on this table um, and then I'll go to the aprons. And then I may discover later on as I'm actually in the build, oh, this would have been a lot easier if I had done this step first, you know? Yeah. Um, so I try to avoid that as much as possible by just kind of thinking through it. And sometimes like how I clamp up a panel and then what do I do while that panel's in the clamps? You know, well, if I had done this step first, then I would have something to work on while the panel's in the clamps. It's just little stuff like that, that kind of walking through the project in your mind. And I actually really find a SketchUp model can be beneficial there because you can kind of spin it around and think of, well, this board goes with this board and et cetera, et cetera. It's, it, to me, it's working out that process, the step-by-step, step, which in turn turns into a, basically a shot list you know, yeah. an outline of the project and, you know, camera angles and all that fun stuff. But it does keep me out of trouble by walking through that in my head. <laughs> right. Dougie. Somebody agrees. That was probably <laughs> Dougie, Dougie who agrees. Barking at the neighbors. Uh, you know, along those lines, um, I will <sighs> definitely take time to organize the parts into, you know, for instance, all the rails, if they're all the same width, even if it's a part I don't need for a little while, well, then I'm going to cut them all at the same time. Um, so I try to group the the parts together sensibly because if you cut them all at the same time, then that's one less thing you have to worry about being slightly off. And, and a lot of times there's, there's things you might not necessarily think about parts that it's, it, maybe it's so far in the future, or it's, it's something that just isn't where these other parts are located on the piece. So you don't associate them, but then you realize later, ah, man, I could have used that same exact setup just to cut that part and it would have been done. And I'm not trying to match these parts now because they're already the same. So that's definitely something that I think saves me time and kind of keeps keeps yeah. things organized and keeps the project uh, flow going a little well, bit better. And on the converse of that, the parts that I absolutely do not cut yeah. are the ones that fit inside other parts, like <laughs> yeah. drawers. Like, don't even touch the drawer stock, you yeah. know, until the case is built. I don't care. Like, I couldn't even tell you that the size, if I do a parts list for drawers, I usually just write down two sides, one back, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know what the thickness is or what the, the, what the width of it is. That'll be the case that tells me. And if I start cutting it now, uh, it's, it's going to ruin everything later on. Yeah. Well, and that is one thing that I, I generally do is I try to thickness things, you know, I, I'm, I'm never really working too far ahead of the point where it's going to be incorporated into a project. I, I don't like to do that, but if I can get everything thicknessed at the same time, then mm -hmm. whether I'm, you know, plus or, you know, plus or minus on three quarters of an inch, it really doesn't matter. They're all the same, but the key is keeping them oversized in length and oversized in width until I actually am ready to incorporate them into the project. That seems to, to work pretty well for me too. See, that's interesting for the listeners that are kind of hand tool focused. I would advise you to not do what Mark just said, <laughs> um, because that I think that is very much a, a power tool mindset. And that's yeah. how I grew up in this craft is, is mill everything first and at least get it to thickness, leave everything wide and long. Um, and if, you know, it, first of all, if you are truly doing it entirely by hand, 
that just sucks. Like <laughs> milling all the lumber for your project all at once is just terrible. Um, but I, I do, I have found that having gone, you know, pretty much 99% hand tools, I've still got the planer over here. Um, milling kind of just the parts that I need and kind of taking it through joinery, then going back and milling the next part and adding to it. Um, certainly it keeps you sane, but it also keeps me a lot more accurate um, because I, I find that there is no uniform thickness throughout. There is no standardization throughout because every piece is unique when you're building it by hand. And if you try to batch stuff out, you're only going to end up causing yourself problems later. So for those, for those few weirdos out there that are hand toolers like me, um, try to avoid that. Um, because, and, and it's hard because everybody look at any TV show, well, with the exception of maybe the Woodwright shop, they all do that. You know, we all start with milling and there's that, that obligatory shot where the musical montage rolls and Scott Phillips or Norm Abrams or David Marks or whatever runs through, you know, and I don't know why I'm going straight to TV. I'm really dating myself with that. <laughs> There's there's a musical montage when Mark Spagnolo does several different, you know, close up shots on the joiner and wood coming out of the planer, you know, all that that just the magical milling that happens. I think if you do all that at once with a hand tool approach, you will end up regretting it later. And you'll have sore arms. There's there's that too, but they'll be big. They'll be, <laughs> they'll be ripped. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's ripped forearms. The ladies <laughs> love that, by the way. You know who also has ripped forearms? No. Rockler? Yeah, see? <laughs> it worked. <laughs> they I do, just felt they like do. it was time to throw a mid-roll in there. Sure, let's do it. Uh, it's important to have the right tools <laughs> when you're starting a new project. And if you're missing something, Rockler can help. Rockler has a wide selection of hardware, including bed rail brackets, Lazy Susan hardware, Murphy bed hardware, rolling door hardware, and more. They also sell unique products like their shutter making jig or library ladder kits, along with all of their Rockler innovations. If you need to stock up on more clamps, maybe a new router bit or a table saw jig, Rockler can help. And there's a lot of good things on sale this month, so go check that out. Uh, if you do have a question about starting a new project or you want to talk through the process, you can always ask a retail associate or contact Rockler's product support team at support at rockler.com or just call 1-800-260-9663. Cannot, cannot overestimate how cool that is or overemphasize how cool that is, that they, they offer this service and they're telling you, go into the store, talk to these people, they're going to help you out. That's super cool that they offer that. Very nice. Yeah, right. so thank you, Rockler, for sponsoring the show. We really appreciate it. I can tell you many, many times, either in the middle of a project, at the beginning of a project, you go, ah, crap, I need that thing, and I don't feel like waiting. I mean, look, we're spoiled with Amazon these days, but still, sometimes if you need to get a project going, I don't want to wait three days. Like I may be stuck until I get that next thing, but it's great if, if you have a local Rockler store that you can go to, it's a really nice luxury to be able to just, you know, I, for me, it's like a 20 minute drive, get the thing I need. I'm in, I'm out and I'm back to work. Well, very nice. you maybe you get the thing you need, something else you don't need. And <laughs> a couple of things you don't need. Things you don't need. Walking down couple. the aisles is because you want to look at everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Too a, many Rockler innovations of, and a cup of Duncan on the way. That's right. Go. Yeah, well, I think I have to drive three and a half hours to get to Rockler, so that's yeah. a little too far. Think of all that time you can be spending thinking about designs, listening to <laughs> podcasts like Wood Talk. <laughs> there we go. Very nice. Well, actually, Mark, in the mid roll, you brought up hardware, and it is yeah. something that we should talk about. This, you know, you've got that design. How much does hardware play a role? 
And I think lately we've seen a lot of like talking about drawer pulls or door um, handles or whatever. A lot of people tend to want to make those out of wood, but there's also, you know, all kinds of bronze and nickel. And then there's hinges. What kind of hinges are you going to use? Um, are you using drawer runners, wooden, you know, um, uh, just wooden drawer boxes? But there's a, there's a lot there. And I know personally, I like hardware. I, I, it's always made a, a really nice finishing touch. Um, I like to use kind of different drawer pulls. Uh, I actually have a collection of them. <laughs> um, if you go to like antique stores, you'll find like uh, really interesting one of a kind type drawer pulls or door handles and sometimes really cool hinges and things. I've got several drawers in my shop just filled with them. Unfortunately, uh, it's difficult to mix and match. You know, like if you're building a five drawer chest, you use a different drawer pull on each one. You can yeah. do it, but it's a it's a strong design <laughs> statement, right? Yeah, that might look um, a little weird. Well, it works, but that the, the other problem is, say, if that's the design statement, then everything else needs to take a, a backseat to that, which can then inform your design later. Like, what wood do I use or do I just paint the drawer fronts to make the drawer pulls pop or whatever? But mm -hmm. that's a whole other thing. You may need to actually source your hardware and figure out what the hardware will be before you actually start cutting wood or... That having that hardware in hand, if it's a hinge or Matt said he was building a, a vanity mirror, I highly recommend having the mirror in hand before you actually start cutting joinery for the frame that goes around the mirror. It's a well, lot I'm, easier. I'm cutting the mirror, so I mean, it doesn't make a difference. Well, OK, me, I, guess. I was going to say for, for most people that don't start with a tree and, and don't have a like a full metal shop in their backyard um, and now a glass production facility. Well, Right. Well, a glass cutter for the home center, a three dollar glass cutter. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. You're gonna start making the glass yourself. No, I'm not gonna get there some sand. Go. There from, we go. From your sandbox <laughs> you made for your kids. <laughs> Just go into the sandbox and uh, pour it in, heat it up. Voila. You got your yeah. glass. Stretch it out, power just, flat. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. No, 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 no. You just pour it. You, know, you go with the epoxy mm -hmm. pour idea. You heat up the molten Ooh. silica and, and you just pour That's it. That's a good idea. I'm going to pour some uh, epoxy on top of some tin foil. And there's there my go. mirror. Done. DIY and mirror, baby. Use a random orbit sander up to like, it. like Guaranteed to make you look good. Grit. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Nice. I like that. Well, I, I definitely think hardware is a huge factor because I think it can make or break it, you know, visually. If you yeah. can't find the right thing that like makes the visual statement or matches the piece, it could look awful. And and I've seen that a lot. You know, you see a great piece of furniture and somebody just picked a, a hardware that, I mean, if they like it, it's fine. But ultimately, if, you know, you look at it and you're like, oh, oh bad, bad choice there. Um, it could really yeah. be a problem. Um, I've also found knowing what hardware you're going to use and having it on hand before you start is huge because there's a yeah. lot of things with installing hardware that could inform choices that you, you have to make early in the process about like how thick something is or what parts are located near one another. Um, I'm thinking back to my, uh, what is it? The, the, the knife display case that I made that had a lock system put in it. It was great because Matt already did all the hard work for me when he made his uh, little tea box <laughs> in the killed. Uh, so yeah. I looked at that and I'm like, okay, well this is perfect. But there were, there were a lot of considerations. If Matt can for, do this, no problem. Yeah. If Matt can do it. <laughs> anybody can do it but he had already worked out the details on how to get this little um mortise what is like a full mortise lock is that what they would call that thing that one's a half mortise no. half mortise i don't remember yeah. these things what it do i know? open in the back okay so yeah but knowing, even harder to do once the case is assembled yeah 
Yeah. So knowing how to install it, when to install it, when to make the mortise, and then getting the escutcheon plate on the front and what escutcheon plate actually fits. Like there was a lot of back and forth there and someone had already worked it out for me. So I just kind of copied what he did and it worked out great. Uh, but if you're the, doing this for the first time, you really need to have that hardware in hand, maybe even especially with something that's a little bit more complex, uh, like this half mortise lock system. You might want to do that in a test board just to make sure you got yeah. everything down it's, right. You it's know? very scary cutting that huge mortise into your workpiece. Yeah. Like, yeah. And a, especially, I'm taking a lot of material out of here. Uh, this could go poorly. Yeah. And especially when the hardware itself, depending on where you sourced it, the quality, things may not be perfectly flat and square. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's important to know Consistent that. thickness. Yeah. And you do that uh, because I know on, the, on that lock, for instance, the top edge was not totally square. So when I had yep. a perfectly, you know, perfect depth mortise for it to drop down into, I still had a high spot that I wasn't expecting because it wasn't square. Um, and had I done a test piece, I might have discovered that, but whatever, you, you deal with it. But it's just good to have this stuff on hand ahead of time. Yeah. Anytime it interfaces with another bit of hardware, it, like a hinge, you know, because the lock locks the lid in place. Well, how does the lid move? Well, the lid moves on hinges. So you have to have the hinges in place so you can locate, you know, where the uh, the mortise on the lid goes for the, what do they call that? The hasp? The Yes. The, yeah, hove mm -hmm. plate. Mm -hmm. All those little lock parts have names, and I yeah. never know what they are. Fancy names. Yeah, I I made a I made a, a T caddy one time with a half mortise lock, and totally didn't even think about it until after everything was glued up. That's why they make those. What are those fancy chisels called? Those like hinge lock. Yes, mortise like chisels, little, whatever. Little like owl yeah. shaped chisel things. Yeah. Yeah, it was some guy who did the same thing I just did and glued <laughs> up his case and realized, oh crap, he came up you with know, a new but, invention. But he had some metalworking skills to go in and create a right angle looking chisel. That's yeah, that's where that the came right from. angle chisel. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, hardware is a big deal. I know personally, I bought a a really fancy uh, like door um, handle lock mechanism from Lee Valley, I think it was, and it's this Asian design, very very cool looking thing. And I thought this would be like almost this like samurai emblem thing will look really cool in the front of a cabinet. And I actually bought it for my tool cabinet. And then, I don't know, built my tool cabinet like six years later. And I remember holding that hardware up to the cabinet and going, this just looks terrible. Like it was way too big, <laughs> yeah. way too big for it. And I, you know, I had to completely uh, go a to totally other direction. But had I had that hardware, well, the worst part was, is I did have the hardware, but I just didn't even think about it because there was so much mm -hmm. time in between. But if I had just held the hardware up to it, I would have seen, okay, if you make that style a half an inch wider, it'll look better. But yeah, you know, this is a little stuff like that. It's good to have. Um, I did want to go and talk a little bit about lumber. And this is a self-servicing because I do work at a lumber yard. But do you? Um, did not know that. You've never no mentioned that before. That. Never, never have. Um, <laughs> you have your parts list. Don't go to the lumber yard with your parts list. And I'm not talking about, you know, because you'll annoy the people that work there. Sure, you will. But, That's true. Um, <laughs> you will, but <laughs> that part also. is true. <laughs> just, just, just think of yourself. Um, it is really hard to go from parts list to boards that you need to buy. So I always recommend kind of reverse engineering your parts list and getting a lumber shopping list. And this goes a little bit back to what Matt was talking about, where, you know, laying out parts on a board and trying for that that grain and color match. And, you know, if you've got, uh, 
rails and styles on a cabinet front. You know, it looks better, looks cool to have that straight grain, that rift stock on the uh, on the styles. So you may think in your parts list, okay, I've got this style that's this dimension, this style that's this dimension. You put like parentheses, used rift material. Okay, great. Well, I don't know about you guys, but not a lot of lumber yards specifically carry rift sawn stock, unless it's white oak, maybe red oak. Um, you know, generally you have to go and buy a wider board maybe and, and rip away the stuff on either side of the cathedral and there you've got rift material. But that's a really key point. If you have your parts list and you're thinking, you know, if you're standing in the lumber yard and actually laying out parts in your head on a bunch of rough sawn boards where you can't really see the grain, that can be a real problem. So I highly recommend coming up with a lumber shopping list and, and saying, okay, I want all the rails and styles in this door to be of a similar color. So again, I'm going to want one board for that. So if yeah. I lump all these parts together, nest them all together, how big is that board? Um, and, and then, you know, I need that one board that's at least six inches wide or eight inches wide, and I can get all the parts from my door. And I know that the grain and color match will be good there. Other times, there's things that just aren't that important, right? I mean, I'm building a table. What's most important is the grain and the color match on the top. The legs should look kind of okay, but the aprons are really going to be almost unseen. So you can start to think, well, now I'll just throw another four quarter board in there and I'll have my aprons. But having that knowledge before you go to the lumber yard. So you're walking in the lumber yard with, I need four pieces of four quarter by six by eight feet long cherry. And I need two eight quarter pieces. And I actually encourage you to not think in terms of board feet because that's the other thing. You got a lot of people are like, well, okay, now I'll reverse engineer my parts list back to board foot. So now I need 50 board feet of cherry. Okay. I mean, how many of you have bought 50 board feet of cherry and been successful at putting together your project? Me. You know, all right, well, <laughs> screw you. But only when I needed five for <laughs> yeah, the project. So I was going to say, yeah, uh, <laughs> when you <laughs> right, really overbought. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You bought 50 Honestly, board feet, but you only if, need If the 10. budget is there though, and you have the, the two things, if the budget is there and you've got the room to store it, sometimes it is nice to be able to say, I'm not going to be picky at all. I'm just going to get a big lot of material and then I'm going to plan my project like Matt. And I'm yeah. going to sit there and look at all my boards and say, which ones are the best and pick and choose. But not yeah, everybody's yeah. going to have that luxury. But I feel like there's a substantial overage there. It's not the 20% totally. overage to do you that. You would need a substantial overage to make that system work. Well, right. and as a right. side note, one thing that can help too is like a bulk buy of one species you use a lot. So if you make a lot of cherry pieces, buy 500 board feet. You're gonna, if you're going to use it in two years, then you have a whole yeah. stack to go through and you can pick and choose buy a thousand board your, feet while you're buy at it a I mean, buy, buy a whole truckload buy 10 or 15 or 25 or 45 thousand buy the board forest feet. why stop there <laughs> just have it all buy the land <laughs> but if you if you have the space and you have the means to do a bulk buy you'll save some money in the long run and you'll be a lot less stressed out because you can literally pick and choose all day without some guy looking over your shoulder yeah you know related to this thing with with picking the wood something that always helps me is having a plan b so if you go through the process that Shannon describes, you know, you've got, you know, you want to get this in riffs on, you want it in this, just because you put it on paper doesn't mean the lumber place has it or yeah. that you're going to be able to find optimal widths to get what you need. So a lot of times I have my plan A, which is like, okay, here's what I want to get my top out of. I know I want this kind of cut and I want this species, but if I get there 
and they don't have what I need, the worst time to make a decision is right then and there. You make a split second decision on, well, okay, I'll use this for that and that for that. And we'll change species to that. That's the worst time to do it because you're, you're in the moment and it's, it's not, and, um, and you're Jethro not going to think- standing there with his forklift idling, staring, <laughs> yeah, waiting at to find out what, <laughs> you know, which one is he pulling down? What it's a whole thing. So have a plan B in mind. Um, that's like a logical plan B if, if uh, five quarter cherry isn't available, what am I going to use as a backup plan? Can I go to four quarter? Do I need to jump up to six quarter? Um, have, have a plan B for almost everything just in the back of your mind. And that will save you a lot of stress when you're, you're there in the moment and they just don't have everything you needed. Yeah. I actually wrote an article for popular woodworking about that plan oh, A and plan B. Yeah. And the key thing is if you have a basic understanding of lumber grade, your plan B can always be guaranteed to work. Um, yeah. For example, FAS uh, first and second grade says that at minimum, the board must be six inches wide by eight feet long. Um, and it also says that you can get clear cuttings uh, of four, uh, four inches by six feet, or um, there's some variations there. But the key is that the board must be at least six inches wide by eight feet long. So if in your head you're thinking, all right, plan A would be this tabletop that maybe, you know, I want a 24 inch wide tabletop. It would be nice to have two 12 inch boards. It'd be nice to have a 24 inch board, but you also need to have an understanding of species. If you're building it, you know, out of Zeracote, <laughs> you're probably yeah. not going to find a 24 inch wide board, but you know, so you're thinking, okay, plan a is two grain and color match 12 inch wide boards that are going to be however long I need for the tabletop. And you think, well, what if they don't have that? But most lumber yards in North America, anyway, mostly what they're carrying is FAS. And if they don't have FAS, they have, you know, number one common, there's not a lot of market for, for the common material. And frankly, there's not a lot of profit on the lumber yard side, so they're not carrying it. So if they have FAS lumber, and if you don't know, call them up and say, do you have FAS cherry? Yes. Okay, so what you know now is in order for it to be an FAS board, it has to be six inches wide. So all the boards on that rack are going to be six inches wide. Mm -hmm. So now you think, okay, well, plan B would be four pieces to make my top. You know, so now I need to find four pieces of good grain and color match to make my top. Well, probably more like seven because six inches could be actually six inches. And by the time you join it, you know, you're losing material, but <laughs> having that understanding of the grade and, and number one, common number two, common have the same uh, cutting sizes. And that's what NHLA grades are. They're actually, it's a cutting grade, not really a, a, a defect grade. You're cutting to certain sizes. You're having certain clear cuttings that come out of it. So having that basic understanding, you know, that plan B will work. So you can at least say, well, if worse comes to worse, I'm going to end up with these four boards and now I'm just going to have to put more panel joints together. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's fair or like, this is something that I go into my lumber purchases with a mindset of kind of lowering my expectations. And I, I'm, I'm saying like, is it, I mean, I know Matt doesn't have to do this, but <laughs> you know, especially as someone who works at a lumber oh, place, great. That sometimes as, as hobbyist builders, we may go into this with like rose colored glasses about getting the perfect material for what we're about to build. And sometimes it's just not out there. And, and that's hmm. one thing about being a woodworker is learning to work with the material you have uh, that you've got access to. So I actually try to lower my expectations. That goes back to thinking about plan B, possibly even plan C uh, and going, well, OK, if I a good example, I was building Nicole's desk and I didn't really want to go the knotty sapwood route for the top. I did want her to have a nice, clear, 
fairly even toned walnut top. But all I could find in the thickness I was shopping for was pretty knotty stuff with lots of sapwood. And, you know, that's what was available to me. So it became this like theme of, okay, let's just embrace the chaos. It's going to be there. It's going to look very natural. And actually that can look very cool when you have sapwood and knots distributed throughout a top like that. But that wasn't my original game plan, but it became my game plan because I had, I generally go into it with a little bit lower expectations (laughs) and when what I get is what I get. So, um, is that just like a, a, a sort of bad shopping experience that teaches you that? Or do you think that's realistic no matter where you go? Don't have too high of an expectation for the perfection of the material you're going to find. I think that's just good advice in general yeah. because there's too many people that have either worked with plywood for a long time or they've seen, they just have this expectation. There's, there's too many engineered and composite products out there that are perfect. Yeah. Um, this is especially important in the commercial world because they're, they're demanding 100% clear. And in many instances, it doesn't exist or it does, but you're going to pay for it and it's going to take a while to develop it. You know, if you yeah. need X thousand board feet, that's 100% clear and all heart, then yeah, we can get there, but you're going to end up having to buy, you know, 5,000 board feet for the 1,000 board feet in order to get that. Um, mm-hmm. So having that expectation is there, but for the, for the most part, for like listeners of this show, the, the hobbyist woodworker and the furniture maker, I, I find that they're the best customers because they want defects you know they want character yeah and um nicole's desk was walnut wasn't it the top yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so there's some understanding over time that will come with species as well walnut is a field tree Um, walnut does not grow super tall and straight it's not maple Uh, it's not oak walnut is a is a knotty stubbly tree that gets you know uh, uh, beaten down by the, the oaks and the maples. It does best in a field area. It branches quickly. So it's going to have a lot of knots and it's going to have wild grain, clear walnut in air quotes, clear walnut. I mean, heck the grade for walnut is actually lower than the grade for maple. What is allowable percentage to be clear to meet FAS for walnut is totally different than oak or maple because it's just not possible. Um, it's not impossible, but you know, it's really expensive because yeah. it takes a lot of walnut trees to get that perfectly clear section because that's just not the way walnut grows. Hickory, same thing. Hickory is not a clear species. Um, knotty pine, certainly not a clear species. Um, so having an understanding, if your expectation, if you really do want that clear, perfectly clear desk, then you might need to think about species as well. Um, yeah. And that can be, you know, a phone call to uh, your local lumber supplier and say, you know, I really need something clear. They're probably going to urge you more towards an exotic, at least African mahogany or tapili or something like that. Yeah. You know, then, you know, now your tree, your the bowl of the tree is a a 84 inch diameter (laughs) instead of the 36 inch (laughs) diameter. And, you know, practically zero sapwood in in an African tree. So, yeah, it's a totally different setup there. Right. I think it's interesting because from my perspective of like actually processing trees, you realize like how few trees would ever meet like. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because you're like Like, or like maybe one board of the whole log would meet that grade or something like that. But the other thing, too, like the more the more time you spend with the material, the more you realize like for a lot of the furniture that we make, we don't need a whole giant fully clear board. If we're making like me cutting this up into like rails and styles and things. 
-hmm. And the other thing having those defects in there allow you to do is have some more interesting grain. So if you want to do curves, you know, you can have mm -hmm. the grain follow the curve a little bit, which you're not going to get with a fully straight grain piece of wood. Right. Yeah. And going back to Matt's point about, you know, buy, buy it in bulk. If you know of a lumber yard, if you have a dealer nearby that actually does on a consistent basis, carry common grade lumber, you want to shop there because you're going to find so much more interesting stuff in the common and mm -hmm. the cutting sizes required in common are well above most of the furniture part sizes that we need. Mm -hmm. You know, rails and tiles are like two inches, two and a half yeah. inches wide. You know, I mean, a, your, your typical leg, you need some thickness there, but you're not really making, you're not making six inch wide legs unless you're making a Rubo workbench or something. So you can get a lot of furniture parts out of a common board and still have clear pieces and you've paid a fraction of the cost. I mean, yeah. most common lumber is going to easily be half the cost of FAS. But moreover, your Matt's point about that interesting grain, when you have knots, grain swirls around it. So you get really cool opportunities to, to compose with the wood grain. And that's, to me, that's, that's like, that gets my blood pumping. That's the fun part of the design <laughs> process is really sitting there in front of the boards and, you know, choosing how the wood, if you've got a panel joint, how do I where does that glue joint? Do I want to hide it? Do I want to accentuate it? You know, can I, can I find a board where the curve of the grain perfectly curves across the glue line? So it completely disappears. Mm -hmm. That's really fun. Um, whole well, new and, level of, of woodworking design. And I mean, really nothing says custom more than that, because if you go to a furniture store and you see what's available, you, most of the time, you're just going to see real clear, consistent finishes uh, because that's, you know, a, a consistent product that they could produce. Right. That's a uh, heavy, solid finish. Yeah. <laughs> lots of dye. Lots yeah. Of, lots of dye of and pigment. Uh, yeah. But you know, when you look at a top that's made by a custom furniture maker and you see some of those natural flaws and I, I have that in air quotes, it's just the, you know, it's just the tree. Um, but you see that stuff included and not only included, but highlighted and incorporated. And suddenly you go, yeah, this clearly is not something that was, you know, purchased in a store. This is a custom piece. Uh, and we could afford to do that. It's something that I think is is great in highlighting, you know, what we do as furniture makers. Yeah. So Good the deal. answer is no, I don't think you should lower your expectations. I think you should broaden <laughs> your acceptable. <laughs> you should welcome, embrace the defects. Well, you kind of have to shift your paradigm a little bit. And then well, I think you, you know, have to you, realize you're dealing with an organic material, yeah, not manufactured product. Yeah. And that yeah, it's, just, it's a mindset thing, really. Yeah, that, that that may sound like obvious to a lot of our listeners, but in the commercial sector, no, they don't get it. They don't get that you can't get perfectly clear material. Yeah, that's awesome. Sorry. Good, good, good talk. Good conversation, guys. Good talk. So I think that just uh, just about does it for us. Remember that we are proudly sponsored by Rockler. Rockler is a family-owned business since 1954. They're your go-to source for high-quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com and use the code WOODTALK, all one word, to receive free shipping on most orders uh, over $39. <laughs> okay <laughs> okay then for no reason i did a stupid voice yeah that's Good. what i do well folks send us questions because we have now recorded a couple shows this month which means our next show is going to be a q a show Woo! So 
We need oh, questions. Boy. And and actually, thank you to everyone. I said this the last Q&A show, and we've actually, our inbox has gotten a lot fuller. So those of you Swollen. submitting questions now, set your expectations. You will not hear them read for at least eight months. So just <laughs> it's going to go. But please keep sending us questions. Send us feedback, kickback, voicemail, format, whatever. Um, go to Wood Talk Show. You can find the the contact form there or you can send us a voice memo email to woodtalkshow at gmail.com or send us a direct message or something on instagram or the facebook's and the twitters and all that fun stuff mm-hmm. you can find us there at wood talk show and awesome yeah do we do we have do we need a social call to action this time guys yeah know. maybe give people a break maybe they're tired yeah. of this yeah <laughs> we don't we don't we don't need you to tell us i don't work for you guys your sick of it their fingers hurt. They're typing away. Hashtag and wood talk all the time. I get it. I get enough questions about shopping at a lumber yard. Don't send me anymore. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. And we will talk to you next time. Love you so much. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Goodbye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.